Welcome to Bridgewater. My name is Josh. I am one of the pastors here, and I have the privilege of being here with you this morning. We are in the series in the Bible book of James entitled Be Real. Today is week four, and we're uh, looking forward to getting into this with you across every Bridgewater location today. Years ago, my wife and I, we've been married now uh, 20 years. We've got four kids, and at the time, we only had two, our oldest, Cole, whom you saw here, and then our oldest uh, daughter, Maggie. They're all sitting over there. They're all with us this morning. We lived in Scroon Lake, New York, and we had a friend who lived right on the lake, and he had a really, really nice boat, and he offered as kindly uh, as he could to let us take that boat out onto the lake. Now, I had never really had the experience of driving a boat before, um, but I had been in lots of boats, and I had seen how they do it. I was aware of where the throttle was, and this is forward, and this is reverse, and the steering wheel kind of works just like a car, and uh, the offer was too good to refuse, and the weather seemed pretty nice at the time, so I said to Kristen, let's get Cole and Maggie out there in the boat, and let's just go for a ride. This is going to be great. She said, as a good wife would, are you sure? I said, yeah, totally, let's, let's go. So we get the kids in their life jackets, we get out on the boat, uh, we unhook it from the dock, and we take off, and the owner of the boat had just quickly run me through a few things to make sure I was good to go, and I assured him, like every, any good husband would do, I got this. So we took, out, uh, took off onto the water, and we're having a great time, just sort of tooling around the lake. There's lots to see. Word of Life Bible Institute is up there in Scroon Lake, on Scroon Lake, really. And uh, we were just driving around. But a few things happened that I wasn't expecting. And I couldn't have predicted, though maybe I should have, because I had this. Um, there were some buoys floating around in the water, and I know that they mean something. Um, but I couldn't figure out how they were set up and which side of them I should be on. I just knew that somewhere around there was probably shallow ground. So I just decided, okay, fine, stay away from all buoys and we'll be all right. Uh, the next thing that happened was the lake started to get more and more full. Uh, more boats appeared on the lake and I was not familiar with lake etiquette and how you drive on the lake. And so... Um, we might have had one or two close calls uh, with a few of those boats and gotten some interesting gestures from a few of the other boat operators. Uh, but I was still committed to do this because, doggone, we had free use of a boat for the day. Let's do it. Uh, another thing that uh, happened, the weather changed a little bit, and we started to, uh, the waves started to pick up, and we, we actually took on a little bit of water. You see, being new as I was, I, I didn't know which way I needed to face the boat. And honestly, at that point, the waves were so bad, I was unsure that I could direct the boat in the direction I, I needed to go to avoid all the waves. So um, you can just imagine the expression changing on Kristen's face uh, from, from nervous. She was never happy, let's face it. Um, <laughs> from nervousness to there were some other emotions beginning to emerge uh, from her. And, uh, and my kids, too, went from clueless to being jostled about, and then they were frightened. And then the last and worst, most awful thing happened. Uh, we decided to call it a day. Let's get back in there. And probably at that point, enough damage was done. I was in the thick of it, and there was no recovery for me. But I had to dock that boat. I don't even know how to describe to you what happened next. 
Um, if you've ever tried or seen someone learn to drive a stick shift car, and you know when you can't work the gas and the clutch, uh, I'm about to scare any of you young people who have yet to drive a stick shift away from driving one. Um, but you know, you jerk that, the car and it goes and it stops and then the, you forget the gas and the brake and you're just, it's just a big mess. Okay, that's me in the boat ramming the dock. Um, meanwhile, the owner of the boat sees that we have come back and is running down the back of his yard like this, trying to tell me something. I don't, I don't know what he said. I'm glad I don't know what he said at this point. Um, but uh, I won't tell you what Kristen said either. Um, no, she didn't really say anything. In fact, my kids were experiencing emotions somewhat of like terror. She was experiencing something more akin to anger or, or rage. Um, it, was, it was bad. It took my kids some time to calm down. It took Kristen more time to calm down. And uh, debriefing with each other after that was quite the process. What, what happened out there was that though I had enough knowledge to understand how a boat should operate and, and I knew what did what, I didn't have enough wisdom to know how to apply, how to apply that in real time. I, I couldn't take what I knew and, and plug it into that experience. It's true that in the open water, I did look like someone who could handle a boat. I could have had my bottle of Coca-Cola there and just sip and wave at everyone as we go by. But once something changed and it became less than ideal, it became challenging, guess what? I was exposed, totally exposed. Not only to everyone else who was on that boat who saw me, but worst of all, to Kristen and my oldest two kids. It was quite a mess. What I needed was to be able to apply that knowledge in real time, in real life situations, and that my friends, is what we call wisdom. That is what we call wisdom. Wisdom is more than information. Wisdom is more than knowledge. Information and knowledge are good. They're really helpful. We have plenty of it. In fact, there's so much information available today. I saw this sign someone put up and it said, we are drowning in information while starving for wisdom. Oh, that is just so true today. So wisdom is more than information. It's more than knowledge. And while possessing information and knowledge are great, there's something else that's needed in real life. You know, the life at street level where you and I all tend to live. And I think that if you're here in this room and you've lived any significant length of time, our lives are not most often like the peaceful lake experiences. Far more often, they're busy. Lots of boats on the water. The waves are very choppy. In fact, sometimes it feels like you should just get off the lake and out of the boat. Sometimes it's not even a good day to take the boat out on to the lake. This is where you and I live. This is our address. This is called life and it is a mess. And I'm, t I'm here to tell you this morning that information and knowledge are not enough. They are not enough. You need something more. And life, just like that time on the lake, has a way of exposing who we really are. And honestly, today, we're going to see it has a way of exposing the type of wisdom or lack that we are subscribing to. Here are just, I've just jotted down a few of life's challenges that require wisdom 
to handle and ultimately work to expose us. You've got difficult conversations, difficulties in the workplace, overcoming bad habits, dealing with your kids' athletic coaches, how to study the Bible, uh, worrying about your health, dealing with your ex, how to manage teachers or things at church. That's messy. Um, how about the government or maybe dealing with your siblings or how about the whole world of dating? Maybe you've got to confront someone. You need wisdom for that. Maybe it's just your in-laws. Shh. Um, maybe it's how to manage your business or how to deal with business relationships. It could be your marriage. It could be your parents. It could be parenting itself. It could be your finances, entertainment choices, technology, neighbors, friendships. But I think one takes the cake and is the ultimate tool to expose whether or not we have wisdom, and that is relationships. It's the people in our lives, in relationships with them far more than the circumstances or our experiences that have a way of exposing the reality of our faith and expose our need, our deep need for wisdom. I think you and I need to be honest this morning admit, and admit that many of the problems in our lives are caused by our lack of wisdom. Many of the relational struggles and conflicts we have are due in large part to our or others' lack of wisdom. It's not that we don't have wisdom. I'm just not sure we have the right kind of wisdom because there's wisdom that seems wisdom, but it's really not. And so we can get wisdom, we can give wisdom, but what kind am I getting and what kind am I giving and how do I know and how do I recognize a person of wisdom when I see them? And what does a person of real faith do when they need wisdom? In the part of James' letter we're looking at today, he addresses this important subject of wisdom. And it seems the people he was writing to had some misconceptions, like we do, about what wisdom is, where to find it, what it actually looks like. Basically, James is giving them a standard with which to measure people measure counsel and how to choose what is ultimately wise. Effectively, James is not only helping them evaluate themselves, but evaluate the people that they were listening to. Because you and I will go somewhere for wisdom. We will. When we need it, we will go somewhere to someone or to some place. We will do something to help us know what to do. So James gives them yet another reality check of faith by showing us how our wisdom or lack of wisdom is exposed in everyday life. So in chapter three is where we're gonna to be today, James chapter three. So we're gonna show it to you here on the screen, but if you have your Bible with you or your device, you can navigate right to James chapter three. James seeks to help these people understand who had wisdom and who didn't. And he introduces ultimately two kinds of wisdom. And he shows us that they have a different source, they have uh, different characteristics, and they ultimately have different results. Let's, let's get into it. James chapter three, verse 13. It says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show up by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. All right, in these two verses, I think James gives us the punchline. He, he gives us the point of what he's saying in this little section. And here's what he says. Wisdom is not seen in what you know, but in what you do. Wisdom has far more to do with what you do than it does with what you know. 
The problem is people who are wise don't go around parading their wisdom. They don't just say, hey, I'm wise, everyone. Come to me if you need help. Just come to me. In fact, you know who does that? Fools. Fools go around parading themselves and just talking about their ability to speak into people's lives. In fact, fools don't even need to be asked to give input. They just go ahead and give it. Fools are ready to share with you exactly what they're thinking whenever they feel like sharing it. And they won't tell you they're fools. It's hard to find a self-professed fool, all right? If you find one, I think you found a unicorn, all right? It's true, I think, that most people have an unrealistically high opinion of themselves and of their wisdom. But I don't think many of us are willing to admit that. But James says the wise have a quality of life that not, it isn't really heard, it's more seen. You see wisdom before you ever hear it. And he says you can recognize them by their humility. In the humility, he says, that comes from wisdom. This word probably is better translated meekness. And meekness is one of my favorite words. In fact, it's one of my number one prayers for myself as a dad is that I would be meek. Meekness really means strength under control. Meekness is what a horse has that allows you to tame it. And rather than use its strength and its majesty to utterly destroy you, it uses it to serve you and to help you accomplish the agenda that you need to accomplish. A horse could destroy you in a moment, but instead serves you. This tells us that wisdom is not meant to be weaponized. All right? That's not wisdom's role. In fact, wisdom is often shown at times in what we don't say. But let me tell you this. If your words are weapons, you are not speaking wisdom. All right, can we just put that one down? If your words are weapons, you are not speaking wisdom. I think we can remove someone had to say it from our playbook because the someone who ultimately had to say it probably is not subscribing to wisdom at that point. Now, there are those who seem wise, but there's something foul going on. James says there's bitter envy and selfish ambition. You can see it there in verses 13 and 14. It's what he's talking about. There's bitter envy, there's selfish ambition. And whereas someone with true wisdom is characterized by meekness and the goodness of their life, these other people who profess to have wisdom actually are in this unrealistic, made-up competition with everyone. And it's not healthy. They, they always feel like they're competing for the edge. They're competing for the, the next spot. And James says that is not wisdom. It's rivalry at its worst. This person doesn't care about the needs of others, but about looking good, about being sought after, about being affirmed. James would say in verses 13 and 14, this person is also arrogant. He says, don't boast about it. James is writing to people living in a time not unlike our own where people are just full of self-promotion. And it doesn't have to be on social media where everything you post is about you and what you've done. It could just be in you speaking into every situation that you're not invited into. Offering your opinion where it wasn't requested. We just think this is life. James says, look out, this is easy. This is easy to do and it's not wisdom. It's not wisdom. People who are fools often don't say, I don't know. They'll make it up before admitting that they don't know. They also rarely hesitate to talk about themselves. 
They parade around as someone who's willing to just give advice and, and give help, but truly they're out to make a point rather than to make a difference. That's what they want. James says this person is denying the truth. He says, don't deny the truth there in verse 14. Someone who claims to be a follower of Jesus, who's proud, who's boasting, who's arrogant, who's self-serving is actually a fraud. And sadly, what, maybe the worst part about this whole thing is these people often cannot see this in themselves. It takes a life experience to expose it like the waves, or it takes a loving brother or sister, fellow follower of Jesus to come alongside them and say, can I help you? You really just need to shut up. And you chuckle but sometimes that is truly exactly what I need. So we understand wisdom is more about information. It's more about having knowledge, but it's about the ability to leverage those things and apply it in real life, in real time. Knowledge enables us to take things apart. Wisdom is what enables us to put them back together, relating God's truth to everyday life. But James now dives a little bit deeper and he actually exposes not only what wisdom is, but he gets into two different kinds of wisdom with different sources, different characteristics, and different results. Look at verse 15. Such wisdom now does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Okay. So now it's getting serious. James is not using light, dainty words. Uh, he's really cutting to the chase. He uses three words to describe the wrong kind of wisdom. And by the way, here's what he's saying. The wrong kind of wisdom comes from me and puts me first. All right? It comes from me and it puts me first. How do we know this? Because of the words he uses. He uses the word earthly. This kind of wisdom is earthly. It's limited to the present. It's short-sighted. It gives no thought to eternity. It just has to do with the here and now. What's practical? What's easy? What makes sense most quickly? And you're thinking, what's wrong with that? Isn't that kind of where we live? Exactly. That is the problem. It's so hard to see. It's built on feelings and personal agendas and the convenience of the now. Not only is it earthly, he says it's unspiritual. It gives no thought of anything except to the physical. It's humanistic. It believes I, me, I am the measure of all things. It's disconnected from God. Paul talks about this person when he writes in 1 Corinthians 2.14. He says, the person without the spirit of God does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. This wisdom that comes so naturally to you and me is earthly and it's unspiritual and it's demonic. Its source is Satan himself. It parades as wisdom yet brings destruction. We first see this wisdom in Genesis 3 when the serpent approaches Eve. If you've not read Genesis 1, 2, and 3 later on this afternoon, that's your homework. You're gonna see how the serpent approaches Eve and says, do you wanna be like God? Just do what he told you not to do. I'm telling you, it's gonna take the lid off. You're gonna just rise to everything you could be. And it seemed like wisdom. It seemed like a good idea and it brought destruction and death. And James is painting a dark picture here. And the truth is that this kind of thinking, this kind of wisdom is not hard to get. 
It's actually baked into us right from the start. This is how we enter life. We don't have to try to go through life like this. This is what life is like apart from the work of God. Let's keep going. James chapter three, verse 16. For wherever you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. And now he helps us to know, how do we know if we're actually using this kind of wisdom? He kind of paints a picture here. He says, this earthly wisdom is found in small children and in adults who act like them. They can't see beyond the moment. They have to win now. They must be satisfied. They will not wait. And if you make them wait or withhold from them, they will make you pay. Parents, can I say, can I get an amen? (laughs) You see, I think you and I need to recognize that all it takes for you and I to hurt someone is just to put ourselves first. Selfish ambition. Do you know that if I put Kristen first, I do not hurt her. If I, if I put my kids first, I do not hurt them. You know when I hurt them is when I put me first. When I look out for me, when I think of myself, my needs, my agenda, my desires first, that's when I hurt them and that's when I will hurt you as well. If I'm not getting my way, someone's gonna pay. James says that's this kind of wisdom and he says, How can you tell if it's happening to you? How do you know if you're doing this? Because you're going to find disorder in every evil practice. Disorder is the idea of confusion. It's subjective. Its priorities ebb and flow with thoughts and feelings. It has no other anchor besides my current desires. That's it. Which change all the time. And then he says, you also find there every evil practice. Now, I think we often read this word evil and think like, sin and wickedness. It really means worthlessness. The word evil here really just means worthless. It produces nothing of value. It's not beneficial because it's selfishly motivated. It can produce wickedness and sin, but James is actually working to communicate that wisdom might, this kind of wisdom might get things done, but actually accomplishes nothing. You get that? There's no ultimate good that results from human wisdom. Now, if the picture weren't dark enough, James keeps going, but thankfully, he begins to turn the corner a little bit because I think he just kind of left you and me in a lurch because this is the way we are and this is all easy and it comes naturally to us. Good to see you guys. You can go. That would be terrible. I'm glad that's not what happens. Look at verses 17 and 18. But... The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace, reap a harvest of righteousness. Here's what I think James is saying here. The right kind of wisdom comes from God and puts others first. Pretty simple. The right kind of wisdom here comes from God and puts others first. This kind of wisdom doesn't originate with me and you. It doesn't find its source in universities or research facilities. You cannot get it through artificial intelligence, through the internet, or through self-help books. It comes from God. It's a gift from God. Let's go back to verse 17. He says, the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all, pure. Let me just break down these words for you here quickly. Pure. This means free from all the things that characterize false wisdom. So the bitter envy, 
the selfish ambition, the disorder, evil practice, it's pure. It doesn't have any of that. It's peace-loving. It delights in peace and promotes peace. It's considerate. It's not combative. It's not abrasive. It's reasonable. It's courteous. It's submissive. That is, it's open to reason. It's not formulating its response while you're speaking. It's listening to you. It doesn't insist on its rights in its own way. It's full of mercy. That is, it shows compassion to those who are in need. It's full of good fruit. It's rich in good deeds and it's impartial, meaning it doesn't show favoritism. Lastly, it's sincere. It is genuine. It does not put on a front. Now, I would say, I read that and I think that sounds a lot like Jesus. Then we need to ask the question, does this sound like you? Does this sound like me? Are these the words that the people who know us best would use to describe you and me? This is God's wisdom. And he says in verse 18, when we allow this wisdom to lead us and to guide us, the result is righteousness. That is living according to God's word. Now, I think at this point, I need to admit that it'd be so nice and I would love to be able to say to you that wisdom from God's word means you will know exactly what to do in every situation. Spelled out for you, crystal clear. Type it in the search box. It gives you a response. There's what you do. Uh, I need to let you know, as you probably already do, that's not the case. But you know what it does do? This godly wisdom from above it immediately eliminates all kinds of options from the table. It really clears the clutter because it will not be anything selfish. It will not be anything meant to put me first. It will not be anything designed to hurt you. You see that? All those options are off the table. So immediately our options are fewer. The focus is coming now. The field of choices is narrowed as we lean on God's word and as we live by faith. And of course, a wonderful benefit is that this improves yours and my relationships. So let me circle back to our little boating excursion. Um, knowing how to operate a boat and having the wisdom to operate it in real time are two very different things. It's the conditions of the lake that will reveal that difference. And it's the realities of life that will reveal the difference in your life and in mine. Relationships, I think, primarily have a way of exposing whether or not you and I have or are subscribing to God's wisdom. Because wisdom is more about what you do with what you know than about what you know. It's recognizable. And I think that probably the clearest picture of wisdom that we could possibly come across would be Jesus. That humility, the meekness, God, who could have and maybe should have destroyed us for our sin and all of his power had it within him to treat us as our sins deserved. And instead, in an act of seeming foolishness, decided he would offer up his own life for your sin 
and for mine. He looked down at us, we who subscribe to worldly wisdom and we're just fighting and can't see our way out of the problems we've created and said, I love them. They cannot rescue themselves. And in his wisdom, did not put himself first, but put us first. Look at, look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 20 to 25. We'll read him here. Where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven, and it's foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those who are called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength." And I'm here to tell you, that is why we have hope today. That is why we do not have to be stuck in our own wisdom. Let me urge you today to turn to Jesus for wisdom. But how do you do that? Let me give you some suggestions. Number one, I'm gonna ask you today to evaluate. Evaluate your lifestyle. What does your lifestyle reveal about what kind of wisdom you're subscribing to? What would people closest to you say? I think beyond that, you could evaluate your relationships. Think about the people that you are in relationship with and the results of those relationships. Is God's wisdom lacking from those situations? Maybe you need to think of, identify the relationships in your life that are most in need of God's wisdom. So spend some time evaluating today. And I think a second thing you could do is adjust. Make the adjustments once you've evaluated. And I think you could do, first, do that first by trusting God. Again, we're subscribing to his word for his wisdom. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will make your path straight. I think you can also adjust by seeking wise people. You can seek wise people. You, you can tell who they are by their lifestyle, by their humility, by their meekness. I need to tell you, this might hurt, but Proverbs 27, six says, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Let's just not go talk to the people who would tell us what we want to hear. Let's talk to the people who would tell us the truth because they love us enough. I think the third adjustment, third way you could adjust is by reading God's word. The psalmist in Psalm 119 Verses 98 to 100 says, your commandments are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders for I obey your precepts. Maybe you just need to read a proverb a day for a month. There are 31 of them. Just read one a day, but I'm here to tell you, Jesus, as we learned in James chapter one, is not standing there waiting for you to figure this out. He gives wisdom to those who ask in faith. He stands generously ready to help you. Let's turn to him for wisdom and hope today. Would you pray with me? God, we, we look to you. Um, we, have, we have tried looking to ourselves, to our own 
wisdom to our own devices. We have tried doing things on our own and it doesn't work. This was the shape of the world when Jesus entered it. And in your goodness, you did not leave us in that place or treat us as our sins deserve, but you showed us mercy. Not only did you demonstrate your wisdom, but then you made it available to us. And so I pray that we would do our part and we would seek you out. Would you please, as you reveal areas of need in our lives, help us to be honest with you and with ourselves and with others, and then have the courage to do what we need to do in response. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.